0: The opinions and statements expressed in the following program do not necessarily reflect those of WWDB, its staff, or management.
1: Hey, Ken Krawchuk here, and welcome to episode 44 of The Pennsylvania Project. As you may know here at The Pennsylvania Project, our vision is a better Pennsylvania. To achieve that vision, our mission is to boldly showcase the political, cultural, and environmental challenges facing contemporary Pennsylvania, and to relentlessly pursue correct solutions. But more important than solving the problem correctly is to solve the correct problem, which I guess assumes that you can recognize the correct problem in the first place. It's not always easy. We have a very wide-ranging episode planned for today, and like all episodes of The Pennsylvania Project, it's divided into three parts—you, them, and and me. Part one is all about you, your questions, your opinions, your solutions, your whatevers. And rather than a call-in format, we are an email-in format. So if you have something to say, you can always drop us a line at pennsylvaniaproject.com. Today for the you part we have community uproar over concerns about school police shooting black students in Abington. Should be good. After the you part comes part two, the them part, where each episode we host a guest to help us showcase political, cultural, and environmental issues facing Pennsylvania. Today's guest is all cultural, with maybe a dash of the political. Our guest is chiropractor Kevin Keita. After the them part comes part three of the Pennsylvania Project, the me part, where it'll be my turn, your caster, Ken Crawchuk. I'll be focusing on some particular issue that really sticks in my craw, pun intended. Once again, today is going to be nothing new. It's going to be a continuation of what I started in episode 42, continued in episode 43, and more today. Specifically, even more of the unsettling questions that I've asked in the previous 42 episodes of The Pennsylvania Project that never got properly answered. Fun stuff. And throughout the show, as is our long-established custom, we'll be featuring a Pennsylvania Toastmaster to serve as narrator to read our live commercials. Today, we have Lynn Dow from the smith Klein Speechem Toastmasters Club in nearby Upper Providence. Welcome to the Pennsylvania Project, Lynn. Thank you, Ken. Good to have you here.
2: Thank you. It's good to be here.
1: Let me ask, what do you like about being a Toastmaster?
2: I like the ability to just stand up there and practice. I tend to get really nervous and speak in circles, but being in Toastmasters has really helped me slow down and gather my thoughts and articulate them eloquently and succinctly.
1: Mm -hmm. That was my problem too, I never knew when to shut up. So I just like (laughs) ramble on and repeat myself and things like that. Same here. Toastmaster saved a lot of people a lot of pain. (laughs) We also have a second Toastmaster with us today, according to another one of our customs, to help us read and respond to whatever comes into our mailbag and join in our discussions with our guest. It's a role that we call cohort and today's cohort is no stranger to the Pennsylvania Project. She was our narrator in episode 21, cohort in episode 39, a member of the positively charged Toastmasters at Philadelphia Electric in Philadelphia, and the person responsible for creating the role of cohort in the first place, distinguished Toastmaster Karen Flam.
3: Good to be here, Ken. Welcome back. Nice to be back.
1: I know. You'd think you'd know better by now. This is your your third time. can't get enough. (laughs) It's all right. And enough of this gay banter, as Monty Python would say, let's get on to the mailbag. And remember, our mission here is not just to complain, but to explore solutions.
3: Well, before we get to the mailbag, Ken, I have a question of my Uh own today.
1: Going off script. It's all right. What's that?
3: My daughter is a ninth grader in a local high school. And recently, a ninth grader took a selfie and posted it on social media of himself with a rifle. Cool. And this caused major uproar from the school who is disciplining the boy and turning the family's life upside down. Disciplining him for what? what what's the, what's I the charge? W- I don't know, but they Where? sent out a big email blast to all of the parents. they, what? Sh- they No sh- selfies with guns? They say it's promoting violence. They don't like it. And I think that I would like to hear your thought on this.
1: Well, this is your daughter,
3: you said. My daughter's school. Uh huh. Okay. Someone in her class, a ninth-grade boy, posted a picture of himself holding a rifle. I I
1: have pictures of myself like that. And I don't. And I don't
3: know what the caption was, but evidently he was like threatening in some way.
1: I don't know. Yeah, we'll get him on the show. That's a good idea.
3: (laughs) I don't know who it is. They won't release the name. Well, generally speaking, he has every right to do that.
1: And I don't know, when I was a Boy Scout, when I was a, a young teen in ninth grade, earlier than that, we used to ride on buses, PTC it was at the time, with our rifles when we'd be going down to the YMCA to shoot. Yeah, so they don't sound,
3: allow that anymore. A, <laughs> we had a rifle right well, team.
1: Pennsylvania is an open carry state. Oh. You can you can go around with a gun in Pennsylvania. There's nothing that could stop you. If you put it away, you, you need a, a carry, a concealed right. carry. I don't see why they're freaking out, because guns save lives. That's The CDC did a study at President Obama's request, and they found that guns are used defensively much more often than they're used offensively, and these feel-good laws, banning guns and things like that, CDC found they don't do any good. So
3: they overreacted. Maybe we get somebody from the school. It it feels like they overreacted, so I was just curious what Uh you would say about it. So our next question comes from Ralph McKittrick from Slatington, Pennsylvania.
1: I knew the place, Jim.
3: Did you hear about what's going on in your hometown, Ken? A member of your Abington school board stood up at a meeting and said she's worried about the cops are going to start shooting black school kids. You've complained a lot about cops shooting citizens. Do you share her concerns?
1: <laughs> it's interesting because actually I didn't know about it until it turned up. Because the quality of local news reporting these days is downright lousy, at least in Abington it is. We're sandwiched between Philadelphia and Doylestown. And nobody seems to pay any attention to us. Local news is probably bad everywhere, but I digress. Well, for those of you who, like me, didn't know what was going on with the Abington School Board, let me give you some background. And I looked into this, and it was interesting research. It turns out police have always had the power to arrest students in schools and enter the school buildings armed. And that was true until late 2019, when there was a Pennsylvania law that accidentally changed all that. The Fraternal Order of Police was concerned about language in one of the proposed laws that would have given arrest powers to third-party independent contractors who were hired to serve as police officers. And they wanted that language taken out. You got to love that. Using the power of government to keep your competition down, to protect your job. Give me a break. But I, I digress. Anyway, it turns out the lawmakers were unaware that some school districts, like Abington, had their own police departments. So when they changed the text of the law as requested, they got hit with the law of unintended consequences. That's what they call it in the legislature. Because that fix requested by the FOP, it negated part of the law, and it turned out that Abington School Police were no longer legally able to make arrests. Well, it didn't take long for the Pennsylvania legislature to realize their mistake, and they recently fixed the law to allow for some competition for those unionized cops. Hallelujah. But enough of that background. Let's get back to closer to Ralph's question. A couple, I guess it was only a couple weeks ago, the Abington School Board was discussing how to re-implement their regained arrest power when this one newly elected school board member, Tamar Klayman, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly, T A M A R K L A I M A N, she stood up and she said, and I quote. We know that black and brown students are much more likely to be shot by police officers, especially school resource officers, than other students. And I have serious concerns about anybody coming into the buildings having firearms, regardless of whether or not they're the police. Police officers regularly shoot people, pretty regularly, unquote. Heavy stuff, huh? A lot different than your selfie with a gun. Yes. There's a lot more angles to this. Let me just step through them one at a time. Well, first of all is she correct you know are black and brown students being shot more often well, the short answer is yes she's right according to statistics continuously compiled by the washington post since 2015 nationally black males account for 22 percent of all people shot and killed in 2017 yet they're only six percent of the total population so it's almost four times more than their regular so she's correct Blacks are getting indeed getting killed at a much greater rate than others. Closer to home, let's look at Pennsylvania. The York Daily Record points out that cops kill another Pennsylvanian every few weeks. A quarter of them are running away, by the way, but I digress. That's another thing. 20 out of the 56 of those killed by police in 2017 were black. 20 out of 56. So on a local level, blacks are also indeed being killed at a much greater rate than others here in Pennsylvania. I looked for about brown people or school resource officers, and I couldn't find any statistics. But as for blacks, killing, being killed by police, she's correct. Word for word, she's correct. Now let's get back to that school board meeting, because that was pretty cool. This woman stood up and spoke truth to power. You can guess what happened Next. Hundreds of people showed up at the next school board meeting with catcalls calling for her head, resignations, and it got ugly. Oh, it got ugly. Some of the stuff I've read, people are yelling at her from the audience and stuff. She apologized, twice, if that has any bearing on it. But last I heard, she has no intent of resigning despite all the calls. Interesting stuff. My hometown, I never heard about it. Mm. But let's get to the core of Ralph's question. Do I share her concern? Well, yeah. Well, who wouldn't? You know, kids are getting shot. Nobody likes to see innocent people shot by the police or anybody for that matter, especially kids. And if any of the regular listeners out there may remember my rant back in episode eight about the officer in East Pittsburgh who shot a fleeing unarmed teen, shot him in the back, killed him, killed him for the crime of running away from a cop. Something that's as American as apple pie running away from cops. I mean, I did it all the time when I was a kid. <laughs>
3: Terrible tragedy. Terrible.
1: Did you run away from cops, Karen? No, I can't say that I Wait, have. You just let them arrest you, right?
3: I, I've never, I've never really had much contact uh. with the police. I've had one warning for a speeding ticket, and I was speeding, but I started to cry when they pulled me over. <laughs>
1: And he didn't shoot you?
3: No, he wrote me a warning, and then I drove Uh, home at, like, seven miles an hour. I was so paranoid.
1: Uh Uh-huh. I believe it. And cops just don't shoot people. I mentioned in episode eight, there was a cop near Reading who ran over an innocent man with a bulldozer. Oh, man. Killed him, too. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not anti-cop. In fact, I'm a graduate of the Abington Citizens Police Academy. And when I was there, I learned two basic truths about the police. The first is that our Abington police care very deeply and honestly for the community that they serve. And that was good to learn, believe me. But the second thing I learned at the academy is that the police do indeed eat a lot of donuts. Is that true? It's true. And soft pretzels, too. Wow. I worked at DUI Checkpoint, and you should have seen how many donuts it took to power that checkpoint. Wow. There's like a table full of them. What was that? DUI Checkpoint, that was in Episode 9. At the end of Episode 9, and I talked about it again part of the mail in episode 25. Check it out, episode 9. It's a, that's a good one. Anyway, so I'm not any cop or any donut. What I am is anti-arrest law. Specifically, Pennsylvania Law, Title 18, Section 508, which says in part, quote, a police officer is justified in using deadly force when he believes that such force is necessary to make the arrest. Unquote. And there are a few other conditions on it, like has to be something immediate, a few other things like that. But key thing, make the arrest and one of these other conditions. So the law is obviously wrong. It should be immediately changed. It shouldn't say things about, it. the arrest is important, I'm gonna shoot somebody because I want to arrest you. It could have arrested you, shot you for the speeding ticket. Crazy stuff. But how will we change that law? You know, here at the Pennsylvania Project, we are all about solutions and there's an easy solution to this one assuming you solved the correct problem. Because the goal here should not be to make the arrest. The goal should be to protect the community, you think? That said, you can fix the law with three simple word replacements. When it comes to the use of deadly force, just change necessary to make the arrest. Change it to necessary to immediately protect lives. And that would stop fleeing people from being shot in the back. Does that make sense? sure i think it makes sense and makes sense to bring it up at a school board meeting especially when the question is about armed cops roaming our school hallways so to sum up yes ralph i do share her concern but there is a correct solution to the correct problem fix the damn law listen to episode eight if you want to hear more about police shootings I would say, what else do we have? But I see from the clock, we don't have anything else because somebody went off script with their own question. But thank you very much. It was a good one. That's the kind of live stuff we want. So on that serious note, that's going to have to do it for the you portion of episode 44. We're going to pause for this information. And when we return, we'll be visiting with today's guest, chiropractor Kevin Keita.
4: Did you hear the latest news? Almost two-thirds of all federal spending now goes to pay for the welfare state. More than $2.2 trillion, which just about equals federal income. Do you realize what that means? Virtually all tax revenue is now being consumed by the welfare state. But how do we rein in that runaway spending before it destroys America? The answer? The separation of society and state. That's the premise of the new novel Atlas Snubbed*, an unsanctioned parody sequel to Ayn Rand's Atlas Shrugged. Atlas Snubbed presents a workable alternative to the welfare state as we know it. Atlas Snubbed expertly extends Rand's epic story of a looter's world snubbed by the men of the mind, bringing to life a crumbling post-apocalyptic world where no one need ask who is John Galt, because now they know. Atlas Snubbed, available at all online bookstores or through atlassnubbed.com. Read it today before it's too late.
2: Here's an interesting question. What do you think of these three ideas? Number one, people have at all times an inalienable right to alter, reform, or abolish their government as they think proper. Number two, juries shall have the right to determine the law as well as the facts. Number three, the right of the citizens to bear arms in defense of themselves and the state shall not be questioned. Do those words sound like there's something taken from a Hollywood political thriller? Well, they're not. They're all direct quotes taken from Article 1 of the Pennsylvania Constitution. Everyone's heard of the United States Constitution, but have you ever heard of the Pennsylvania Constitution? Have you ever read it? But most importantly, was it ever taught to you in school? If you're like virtually all Pennsylvanians, the answers are likely to be no, no, and no. Well, it's long past time we changed those answers to yes, yes, and yes, and you have a crucial part to play in making that come to pass. As you know, we here at The Pennsylvania Project are all about solutions. So we've authored a petition demanding that the Pennsylvania Constitution be taught to our children. If you believe it's important for our children to know how our state government works, head over to our website, PennsylvaniaProject.com, and add your name to the growing list of signers. And every time we accumulate another batch of signatures, we'll send a copy of the petition to the Governor, the Pennsylvania Board of Education, and each and every one of the 501 school districts in Pennsylvania, asking them right now to start teaching our children the Pennsylvania Constitution. So please sign the petition at PennsylvaniaProject.com. Do it now, while it's at the top of your mind. The alternative is yet another generation that has never heard of, let alone read the Pennsylvania Constitution. And people wonder why no one votes anymore.
1: Thank you, Lynn. Hey, Ken Krotzak here again, and welcome to the "Then" portion of Episode 44 of the Pennsylvania Project, where we host a guest to help showcase the political, cultural, and/or environmental issues facing Pennsylvania. Today's guest, as I mentioned before, he's all cultural with maybe a little dash of the political. He's Kevin Keita, chiropractor and author of the book titled "Healing Journeys: Story of the Mind, Body, and Spirit." He also publishes an internationally recognized chiropractic newsletter. And he happens to be a veteran of the Pennsylvania Project because he was our narrator back here in episode 39, which is how we learned about his trade. Learned a lot about people when you sit across the table from them. And he's also a Toastmaster, obviously, because that's how people get on the show here. He's a member of the Lower Bucks Toastmasters Club in Lower Bucks County, of course, and also with the Trenton State Prison Gavel Club, where they go into prison once every couple weeks and do Toastmasters meetings there. Welcome back to the Pennsylvania Project, Kevin. Thanks for having me. Glad to be here. Ah, Glad to have you back. Now, I would have started at the very top. What is a chiropractor? Is it somebody who studied medicine in Cairo?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Chiropractor actually means, Cairo means hand and practice, practice with hands only. Hmm. And a chiropractor is involved with the spinal column. In the nervous system, making sure that there's no nerve interference if two or more of the vertebrae move out of alignment, and putting pressure on the spinal nerve, which mm-hmm. then causes your central nervous system not to function properly, and your whole body won't function properly.
1: Interesting. Do you just do, chiropractors just do spines, or do they do other?
0: Most chiropractors just do the spine, uh-huh. but with... The technique I use, I actually adjust every bone in the bo- – I can adjust every bone in the body, even the cranial bones in your skull. Uh-huh. It sounds
1: like the people at Karen's school need some cranial mm-hmm. bones adjusted some to – therapy. They, they, they probably do. <laughs> Maybe some percussive maintenance, as we call it in the computer business. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I wouldn't want to do that. They may send the cops after me. Anyway, so you do all the other – I'm sorry to make light of it, but – I, I guess I have a, a tough time. I guess the back I can understand. I'm, I'm fortunate. I don't have any back problems, and I still throw a pack on my back and go hike the Appalachian Trail. In fact, we're going out in another three weeks from now. That should be fun. We go every year. We spend a week on the Appalachian Trail. But what what are the other bones you do, like elbows? What do you do to
0: uh, any? I mean, every bone, the femur, uh, the elbow, the wrists, you the know, fingers, the feet. You gotta, the, the cranial, see, the cranial bones, your skull actually moves micromillimeters. And they found this out by the NASA astronauts going up in space uh-huh. because then they would come back down to gravity and they would have all these physical maladies and they found out that their skull, the cranial bones, would move out of alignment and they, it would lock up. And that's how they knew that... When the cranial bones move out of alignment, you can have major physical problems and emotional problems.
1: So, you, you plan to visit the space station? Sounds like you got some work to do up there.
0: <laughs> I doubt it.
1: Oh no, I'd love to go. Don't have to ask me twice. I'm off. Now, how did? How old is this? Uh, you got to excuse me because I've never been to a chiropractor. I've never. You're probably the. This is the most information I've ever had about a chiropractor before. So, I may be asking a lot of stupid basic questions. How did this start? I mean, who just started saying, hey, uh, can I play with your back?
0: Well, everything starts out by kind of accident, and it was B.J. Palmer, who his janitor in his building was deaf, and he saw that one of the bones in his upper back was was out of place. Oh, no. And he actually put him on a table and adjusted the thoracic, one of the thoracic vertebrae put it back into place, and he regained his hearing.
1: Wow. Wow! By the way, my degree's in physics, not biology, so I may not know what that bone might mean. It could be in his big toe for all <laughs> I know. I don't know.
0: And how long ago was that? Over 100 years. Uh-huh. So, Davenport, d- Iowa. It was actually established in the USA.
1: That's odd. And how did he get word out? I mean, did he start training people, or just like word spread? He well, cured, heals the cripples, raising from the dead? Well, wow.
0: ironically, he owned two radio stations.
1: Oh, there you go.
0: And one of the people he employed, believe it or not, was Ronald Reagan. Go
1: on. Wow.
0: And he he actually, the funny thing about him hiring Ronald Reagan was he wanted to actually fire him. (laughs) (laughs) But what happened was Ronald Reagan had just bought some new suits and he didn't fire him after all. Uh-huh. So he remained on the station, came back to Davenport, Iowa, mm-hmm. and did his president. You know, when he was running for president, he campaigned there, and in his <laughs> presidential in his presidential address, he actually mentioned the Palmers and for helping him in his life.
1: Uh huh. That's fascinating. You know, Ronald Reagan was the first Republican I ever voted for. We like to stay in Pennsylvania here, so let's. Let's leave him out of this. That's an interesting backstory there. And how about you? How did you get involved with this? Did you live with a deaf person or something?
0: <laughs> no. I actually got into a car accident when I was leaving my work and got hit by another car, got off to the side. The policeman came up to me and he said, are you all right? And I said, yeah, I'm fine. You know, I could walk and everything was fine. But then about two weeks later, I started having an unbelievable headache. And I had to leave work early. And this was Saturday. On Saturday, I didn't sleep at all. And then Sunday morning, I had to call up my general practitioner, went and saw that person, couldn't drive myself, dragged myself into his office. He tested me, checked everything, reflex, everything. And then after about 45 minutes, he said, I go to him, what's wrong with me? And he goes, nothing. (laughs) I go, what do you mean nothing's wrong with me? I couldn't drive here. I had to recline my seat back. I didn't sleep. I have a pounding, pounding headache. And you're telling me there's something wrong with me. So he gave me a script. And it was, of course, a painkiller. Uh-huh. I took two of them. It didn't even touch the pain and i I said to myself, "I can't take these painkillers because at the time, I was in charge of about fifty employees, and i can't you can't be on drugs and yeah. And then somebody said, "Why don't you go see a chiropractor?" And I thought to myself, I, I don't, I don't have anything wrong with my feet. <laughs> I thought it was a, I thought, oh, a podiatrist. I thought it yeah. meant a podiatrist. <laughs> so I, I was in so much pain. I went to go see a chiropractor. He adjusted me, and I would say ninety-five percent of the pain went away. That's crazy. And wow. I was like, "Whoa!" I got to learn more about was, this. That was. Uh, it was just strange, and it and the chiropractor I went to, his name. Is Dr. Arnaud Bernier and I didn't realize it but he was one of the most well-known chiropractors in the world Hmm. and I hated my job and he goes maybe you ought to become a chiropractor And (laughs) and and I'm like thinking why would I do something like that but then eventually I learned the philosophy and I said to myself oh maybe I should become a chiropractor but I didn't realize that it takes so long to become a chiropractor. I thought it was like maybe a month worth of schooling or two months yeah. worth of schooling. How long was it? Five and a half years. Ouch! Oh. Yeah. It, it, it's longer than med school. There's more hours to become a chiropractor than to become a medical Why? doctor. Why?
1: Wow. What's the what's the difference? I, I would think that chiropractorosity or whatever it's called
0: <laughs> would be easier. There's a lot more, believe it or not. There's a lot more anatomy and dissection. But, Oh, yeah.
1: you got to know where everything is. All right. So a med students got to be able to write, recite all 102 books of the body or bones of the body, whatever it is, books of the Bible. That's what I was thinking of.
0: And the difference is they're taught pharmacology and we're taught nutrition. We don't – chiropractors do not prescribe any drugs. Uh-huh. And that's why chiropractors are persecuted a lot.
1: Well, you know, when I was doing some research for this, I went out to the Wikipedia article it is downright hostile to chiropractors. they got all these snide remarks about them, little take it two or three different ways kind of stuff. What's the deal? Do, do people hate chiropractors?
0: Well, the, I think the biggest myth is just what I was just saying, that most people think chiropractors have very little schooling. <laughs> There's so much more schooling in, to become a chiropractor. You have to pass four parts of a national board. hmm and each part is six months of space in between, and the last part is hands-on. It's it's very involved. It's it's not what people think. No. And no, it's it, not what I think. Yeah, it's not what I thought when I was starting out. I thought, like I said, it'd be a couple months worth of schooling, but five and a half years, and you learn a lot. It's it's really involved.
1: And how long has it been since you started, since you changed your career path?
0: 21 years. 21 years.
3: Wow. And where, where are your locations located? <laughs>
0: one, one is in Morrisville, Pennsylvania, and one is in Bryn Athen, Pennsylvania. Yeah, Bryn Athen's right
1: next to Abington. You could hear the school board yelling at each other from there. <laughs> you know, Bryn Athen is unique. They're one of the few places that does not, they have a school board, but they have no schools. Most of the kids there go to the New Church Academy. Right. And they, they are the other ones that don't, they just place them in neighboring districts. Britain Athens is pretty cool. I was just down there standing on the closed Fetters Mill Bridge over the Pennypack.
0: Beautiful place. Yeah, my office is right right by there. Yep.
1: Oh, you're fortunate. It's all in the same area. Now look let me back up a little bit. There's something you said and I was gonna jump on it, but I figured I'd wait till you got to a, a break point. You said that it's not just it's nutrition, but you also mentioned it's philosophy. Is, is this like, is it Zen-like, or what, what do you mean? What's what's the philosophy? The main of philosophy of chiropractorosity. Yeah,
0: the main philosophy is that the body can heal itself. It really? has in, innate wisdom. For instance, when you cut yourself, you don't all of a sudden have to think like, how do I, how am I going to heal that?
1: <laughs> it's how deep the cut is. <laughs>
0: You know, I, I want to pursue that a
1: little further, but we are at the point now where we are going to have to break for a commercial, not a commercial. My guest is chiropractor, Kevin Keita. I'm your caster, Ken Krawchuk, and you're listening to The Pennsylvania Project, episode 44. And we'll be right back after this information. Do you
2: like The Pennsylvania Project? You must. After all, you're listening to it right now. But would you like more? More of the rants, the guests, the fun? Well, you're in luck, because by popular demand we've added even more content. Things like keeping the mics live after the credits roll at the end of the show while we continue our on-air conversations. It's all 100% unscripted, and often includes things we can't say on the air. Or shouldn't. Would you like access to each episode the day it's recorded? live streams of every show as it happens? Behind-the-scenes interviews and bonus videos with our guests? All this and more is now available at PennsylvaniaProject.com. But wait! There's more. Sign up today and you also get a copy of Ken's novel, Atlas Snubbed, a parody sequel to Ayn Rand's Atlas Shrugged. And you can even call in live and participate on the show. How's that for more content? You can be the content. So if the idea of more Pennsylvania Project excites you, head on over to PennsylvaniaProject.com and click the more fun link at the top of the page. Solve the correct problem correctly and sign up today.
3: Hey, it's Karen Flam here, Go hard on The Pennsylvania Project. You know it's easy to find a high-paying job, at least for some people it is. Employers are begging for competent leaders who know how to communicate effectively. But do those words describe you, competent leader, communicates effectively? If not, or even if they do, you might want to consider joining Toastmasters. The mission of Toastmasters is to provide a supportive environment for learning communication and leadership skills, but does it really work? Hey, look at me. I joined Toastmasters and now I'm on the radio. So turn your life around. Visit Toastmasters.org and contact a club near you. Visitors are always welcome. And be sure to mention my name. The future is anxiously awaiting competent leaders who know how to communicate effectively. You can be that leader. It all starts at Toastmasters.org.
2: Are you a small business owner, always looking for referrals? Do you have a streamlined approach to generating new referrals? Contact Stephen Worley to learn the fast, easy way to generate new referrals. Stephen has an all-inclusive system that will help you generate an extra five to ten customers per week without spending a single dollar on ads. You won't have to create a website, have pictures taken, or write a single ad. Stephen will take the headache out of the process. Contact him at stephenworley.com. That's Stephen with a V. W-E-R-L-E-Y dot com. Fly fishermen, new and old, understand the importance of affordable quality gear. At Christopher Fay Fly Fishing, we have provided that for over a quarter century. Whether you fish dries, wets, or any combination, Christopher Fave, F-A-V-E Fly Fishing dot com, has an American-made leader for you. Pennsylvania proud, our reputation rests solely on your complete satisfaction. Again, that's Christopher Fave, flyfishing.com.
1: It's kind of like a tongue twister, isn't it? Sure is. Christopher Fave. And the wets and dries, I'm not a fisher person. I go, I go fishing, but I don't bring any equipment. I just sit on the side of the river and drink beer. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> hey, Ken Krawchuk here. And we're back with episode 44 of The Pennsylvania Project and our guest, the chiropractor, Kevin Keita. I want to pick up where we left off before the break. There about the philosophy of chiropractology. What's the what's the word? What's what's it called?
0: Chiropractic. Chiropractic.
1: Chiropractic. Thank you. Chiropractical. I don't know. Chiropractic. Just chiropractic. I don't know. You tell I was not an English major. I don't know. But you mentioned how the, the body heals itself, and you know, yeah, with, you scratch yourself or something like that. That's certainly true. But how does that apply to chiropractics?
0: Well, if you're ner- like I said in the earlier what controls your body? Your central nervous system, your brain, your spinal column and your spinal nerves and all your organs, cells, muscles and tissues are controlled by the central nervous system. So a chiropractor analyzes, locates and corrects these subluxations or these misalignments so there's no pressure on any of the nerves so then the body can function at its optimum. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, I was a chiropractor for a minor league basketball team in Trenton. Nice. And interesting story. Gave my little talk. All the team, they said after the talk, they'd come see me in my office. One week goes by, nobody shows up. Two weeks go by, nobody shows up. Three weeks go by, one person shows up. I adjust them. I help them out. And I said, if I were you, I would come in on a regular basis because there's such a small difference between you being in Trenton or being in Philadelphia playing for the 76ers because these people were talented basketball players. They were all very good college players. He came in on a regular basis. And then as the season went by, I was interviewed at halftime on ESPN the local ESPN radio
1: uh-huh.
0: and I was being interviewed and I asked the announcer for the basketball team I said who would you think is the most improved player from the first half to the second half
1: uh-huh and guess was,
0: who we picked uh-huh the wow. one I adjusted then the season ended guess who got a pro contract go on
1: mm. dude
0: mm. So he went from making maybe $20,000 to making whatever the league minimum was, 200,000, 300,000. Ouch. That's great. It's, so it's tiny. We're talking tiny little adjustments. Mm-hmm. Just just the pressure, 10 millimeter 10 millimeters mercury pressure causes about 70% less nerve conduction. That is the equivalent of the weight of a dime. So if I put a weight of a if I put a dime in your hand, you wouldn't even feel any pain. That's that's how little pressure will cause nerve function to not flow properly.
1: You know, I'm I'm sitting here and I'm like, yeah, yeah, Kevin, it's it's kind of sounds outrageous, but obviously you've been in the business for a while and you got your NBA success story there. I, I guess I should just visit a chiropractor just to see what it's all about.
0: But that that story is actually not the most outrageous I've had. I, I could be here all all night, <laughs> hundreds of stories that are even beyond that. Uh-huh. Okay. Good stuff.
1: Well, me, one thing I wanted to come back on, I mentioned we were going to do a little dash at the political. You're regulated by the state? Yes. P- by who? So what what's involved in becoming— regulated. Do they look over your shoulder? Do you have to I don't know, adjust a cadaver
0: or? Well most of it now it's done on the national level. The Pennsylvania Board real it's really just makes sure that the ethics are followed.
1: There's ethics?
0: I mean we're right. Adjust the correct bone? Well <laughs> no no most of the ethics involved sexual misconduct
1: oh 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 I see yeah 21st she, century right child childhood yep George Jetson never said the 21st century would be like this you should have heard our guest on episode 43 her father was an alcoholic pedophile that was a that was an interesting show for sure you know you walk out of that with your eyes wide thinking, whoa tough situation anyway getting back ethical questions how often do you have to re-up? I had an insurance agent license for a while. Not that I sold insurance; I did take, it in the in the IT business. But I had to
0: take.
3: Do you take continuing education courses?
0: Yes, every two years, twenty four hours.
1: Is it easy? Is it difficult? I mean, because my insurance things, I could just take them online. And if I didn't get it a, a passing score, I could just take the same test again, take it again and again and again until so I did pass, and then I'd pay for it.
0: No, the continuing ed credits. You can just take classes. It's like taking a seminar. It's no test involved,
1: uh-huh. except for the ethical thing. Now, are there guys out there who are or girls who are practicing? I'm Philly guys and girls. It's all <laughs> guys, right? Uh, are they out there practicing without a license? Is there a black market in chiropractics?
0: No, because you would be you would get in a lot of trouble. Yeah, you like would get in a lot of trouble.
1: Well, is is there a, a line that gets crossing? Oh, I wasn't doing chiropractics. I was just giving him a massage. Well, oh. it's,
0: it's just the same thing. If you go to a medical doctor that's pretending to become um, pretending to be a medical doctor and then sees f- female patients, or somebody that pretends to be a dentist. I mean, that, <laughs> oh, I mean man. that that happened in Philadelphia. Somebody was pretending to be. <laughs> I'll be a dentist <laughs> if you were going to this person. Oh
1: man. So. And just because he was on the drill team in school, right? <laughs> no. It reminds me of an old fire sign theater joke is in the background. They're in the hospital and the intercom says, Would the real Dr. Smith please report to neurosurgery immediately? <laughs> Makes you wonder what's going on. So there's not not a whole lot of black market. Again, I'm no. I'm asking for no. myself here because no. this is no. this is all all new. But you can get in trouble for practicing without a license, even though you don't prescribe medicines. Right. Which, why is that a, why is it a crime? What makes it a crime?
0: Pra- practicing medicine without a license. No, just massaging people.
3: No, it's not massage. It's it's chiropractic adjustment. I mean, they're adjusting it's the two bones. Two totally different things. Of your body. Uh huh.
1: Again, I'm massage
3: I'm, works on the muscles.
1: Because uh, uh, I'm, I'm a philistine out here. I've never had a massage either. At least not not that I talk about on the radio.
0: You have to get out more. (laughs)
1: Uh, I think we're going to let that one slip by. (laughs) You know, the, one of the other things we were talking about was the, the nutritional aspect. You mentioned that before when you talked about philosophy and nutrition, what does nutrition have to do with the bones? How's that connect?
0: Well, nutrition has to do with your whole body. If you if you're nutritionally imbalanced, you're just not going to function properly.
1: Well, that's a general statement. Can you be more specific? I mean, I had a I had a tasty Claire before I came over here. Is that, that going to put me out of balance? <laughs> I love tasty claires. I grew up in eat village. enough
0: of them, and they will. Oh, that's true.
1: My mother always said if you had to, if you ate too much of something, you learn to hate it. And when I was ten years old, I had hepatitis B, and I was in bed for three months. And the only thing I had for months was chicken soup. I love chicken soup beforehand and you know what I still love my chicken soup today so again I'm looking for a specific here what what's a problem what's the problem with the nutrition I mean, will you need out eat a balanced meal what's what's the what's the recommendation
0: Now some chiropractors will pers- well, pers- tell some of the patients to take certain supplements because they're deficient in say iron
1: uh-huh
0: Be- B complex vitamins.
1: Yeah. Okay. I guess you can call that nutrition taking extra vitamins. Interesting. How about GMOs? Or GM? Not GMOs. Ooh, GMOs. <laughs> GMOs. Uh, genetically, yeah. T- just genetically modified tomatoes and stuff. tobacco
0: <laughs> Well, GMOs. A lot of people don't realize it. It. It's not even necessarily the pesticides that they use, but organic food. Produces something called sylvesterol, and sylvesterol is a antifungal, and that kills any fungus that's within our body. Uh-huh. And guess what is a fungus? Cancer.
1: You're saying organic food cures cancer?
0: No, I'm just saying that the GMOs are. Oh, they ne- don't- They're deficient in this substance called sylvesterol.
1: Uh huh never heard of it before. It's like yeah. Sylvester the cat. Let me make you a note here. Her. So what happens with the GMOs don't have that? Why don't they have that?
0: Because they organic food has a certain stress to it, and that's what produces the silvestral GMOs that they're kind of pampered and the food is supported so much uh-huh. that it it doesn't need it uh, doesn't have that stress added to it.
1: Yeah, it's kind of like kids. If you make your kids' life too easy, right? You're, you're in deep, deep doo You're gonna wind up with affluenza or whatever those diseases are.
0: Right. They they become juvenile. <laughs>
3: affluenza.
0: If, Afflu- if, have
1: you heard of that? <laughs> it's some some kid got he got off on some crime because he was saying, "Oh, I grew up a rich kid" or something affluenza. like that. Affluenza. Yeah, I that's, I didn't follow that. That's, I don't follow the gossip news too closely. Kevin, we're running low on time here Is there something we, we forgot to mention that you're looking to get in there?
0: Well, I wrote a book, Healing Journey Stories of Mind, Body, and Spirit. Mm-hmm. You can pick it up in physical form on Amazon, Kindle, and it's also on Audible. And if you want more information on myself and what I do, you can go to my website, drkevinkeeta.com. That's D R K E V I N. K-I-T-A There
1: you go. That way they'll be able to get their, their back adjusted and get rid of the headaches and become an NBA basketball star. <laughs> Kevin, listen, thanks for coming on the show, man. It's really good to have you here. I learned a lot. And pardon my ignorance.
0: Uh, that's what I'm here for. <laughs> you demand, sir.
1: So it's going to have to wrap it up for the them portion of the show today. Thanks again to my guest, chiropractor Kevin Keita talking about his chiropractics I learned a word today, too. We're going to pause for this information, and when we return, I'm going to be ranting about something that really sticks in my craw, even more unanswered questions from past episodes of the Pennsylvania Project, and you thought we were through.
2: The following is a commercial announcement. Hey, Lynn, how's it going? Bad, Ken. Really bad. Why? What's the matter? Well, our friends at the Infernal Revenue Service paid me a personal visit the other day.
1: The IRS?
2: Yep. Two big brutish guys. Scared us all half to death.
1: I bet. What do they want?
2: Money. And lots of it too. Remember that part-time gig I took on last summer?
1: Yep, I remember. You were raking in some really big bucks.
2: Yeah, and all those big bucks went straight into my personal bank account. It turns out the IRS doesn't like that. And I didn't file any of the right forms or pay nearly enough in taxes. So they want it all now. Right now. Plus penalties and interest.
1: Ouch. Sounds like you should have called Amendment 16.
2: Hey, it's the damn 16th Amendment that got me into this predicament in the first place. No,
1: no, no. Amendment 16, the invoicing service. They'll invoice your client for the hours and expenses you report to them, and when your client pays them, they pay you. Minus all required state and federal taxes. It's that easy. One call does it all. And they'll even have an accountant do your personal taxes for you come April full state. I mean come April 15th.
2: And they take care of all the taxes? All the forms?
1: Yep. And they could pass along certain tax breaks, too.
2: Man, I wish I knew about Amendment 16 sooner. Where can I find them?
1: On the web, of course, at amendment16.com, with 16 spelled out. That's amendment, S-I-X-T-E-E-N dot com. One call does it all.
2: You've been a registered libertarian for years, voted for libertarians even longer, and lived by libertarian principles all your life. Now it's time to take the next step and become a dues-paying member of the Libertarian Party of Pennsylvania. Keep abreast of the march toward liberty in Pennsylvania. Take an active role in making it happen. Maybe even consider running for a local political office yourself. It all starts with becoming a dues-paying member of the Libertarian Party of Pennsylvania. It's easy, fast, and only $20 a year. So visit LPPA.org to sign up today. That's (coughs) LPPA.org. Do it today. A freer future is waiting.
1: Hey, Ken Krawchalk here, and welcome to the me portion of episode 44 of The Pennsylvania Project, where I get to rant for a bit about something that really sticks in my crawl. Today, it's going to be even more unanswered questions from past episodes of The Pennsylvania Project. If you're listening to episode 42 of The Pennsylvania Project, you heard me rant about 18, count them, 18 different questions that I've asked over the last 42 episodes that never received a proper answer. I'm not going to repeat them all today. I discussed them in detail in episode 42 and briefly summarized them in episode 43. Speaking of which, if you listened to episode 43, you heard me ran about 15 more, count them, 15 more questions that I asked over the last 43 episodes that never received a proper answer. And I'm not going to go into the details of all those again today, but for consistency's sake, since I did it last episode, let me summarize those ones from episode 43. Tons of questions. Start with questions about government boondoggles, like why are taxpayers forced to pay for primaries, especially those of us who don't belong to one of the two old parties? Shouldn't those two old parties pay for their own beauty contests? <laughs> I don't know. Another boondoggle. Why have minimum wage laws that put people out of work, especially young people? For every one thirty-something you give a fifteen-dollar-an-hour wage to, it, you put two young people out of work. Why do we handicap our young? I don't know. Nobody's told me yet. Oh, then there were the questions about the courts and the law, like the one, how about the way they stack the jury right in front of your eyes with their voir dire? Reminds me of some card shark pulling a fast one. And how come they don't tell jurors that they have the right to try the law, not just the facts of the case? Lynn mentioned that earlier in the commercial. Jurors can nullify any law they feel does not apply. Isn't that cool? And why do they make serving on juries so damn difficult for we, the people? They make it a duty rather than a restraint against a tyrannical government that it was originally meant to be. I don't know. Why don't we have initiative and referendum in Pennsylvania, huh? Especially when Article One, Section 2 of the Pennsylvania Constitution says the people have at all times the right to alter, reform, or abolish their government in whatever manner they think proper. Where did that right go? I don't know. Right out the window, I guess. And there are a whole bunch of other questions. Too many questions about government interference in our private lives. Like, why is government involved in marriage at all? Who are they to get in the way of true love? And how can they justify their insane war on drugs when it's directly responsible for creating the opioid crisis? Not to mention it costs millions of dollars in tax money for imprisoning pot-smoking Grateful Dead fans. Never heard an answer to that. Why? We also had unanswered questions about our relationship with the police. Getting back to what we were talking about earlier. Why don't we have yield signs instead of stop signs? It's a simple question. Isn't that how we treat stop signs? We treat them like yield signs. We slow down and roll them. I don't know why we don't replace them. And why can police just go ahead and shoot anybody they like just to make an arrest? I just asked that earlier in this episode. I've asked it a million times. I don't know. And when there is a shooting, why? Why are they investigated by internal affairs police boards? Isn't that the fox guarding in the hen house? I don't understand. Somebody tell me. Please. Now, not all those unanswered questions were serious. There are some whimsical ones, like, why hasn't that spammer, Oscar, accepted my invitation to come on the show? I want to find out how spammers think, but he's not even answering me. Maybe he thinks I'm spam. I don't know. Anyway, that's a quick summary of what I covered in episode 43. If you want to hear the whole rant, where I get the details on all those, go check it out. Episode 43. And there's even more back in episode 42. Dozens. Despite dozens of unanswered questions already passed us, I'm back this week with another ton more. So you ready? Here we go. More examples. And if you know the answers, please let me know. All right, here we go. Episode 3. Everybody's favorite question? Abortion. Why? Why don't they just defuse the whole abortion issue and allow for prenatal adoption? That approach simultaneously saves babies and preserves a woman's right to choose. Why are they promoting all this needless infighting when we could ultimately eliminate the need for abortions altogether? Pro-option, I call it. Prenatal adoption. It's all in episode three. End of episode three. Check it out. For episode eight, why are teachers prohibited from arming themselves? Gun-free zones, in my mind, are an open invitation to troublemakers. Yeah, you're not going to get shot here. You remember Bernie Getz from the New York subways? He had a gun, somebody came up to rob him, and he shot him, one after the other. Just the knowledge that there were people like Bernie out there on the subways, it deterred subway crimes for months after Bernie's escapades. So we just if we just say that we're allowing arming teachers, we're allowing teachers to arm themselves, it's not even a mandate. Just let the bad guy's imagination take it from there, just like with Bernie Getz. I don't know why. From episode 13, why do we have bail? We had a prison expert guest here and he explained how virtually all defendants released on their own recognizance, they always show up for their own trials. It's like 95, 96% of them show up for their own trials. Why are we punishing people of lesser means? People who can't afford bail and they get tossed in jail instead. Expensive jail, I must add, not to mention how it ruins their life. Because now they're sitting in jail instead of taking care of their families. And they're sitting in jail even before a trial can occur. They're in jail without a trial just because they didn't have bail. Why? Why do we have bail? And that was episode 16, by the way. We had our prison. Oh, no, I said at the top from episode 16. Why have bail? It's not necessary. In most cases. Episode 9 Why is Harrisburg dictating what bathrooms people can use and can't use? Why don't we let people decide for themselves according to their own community standards? And why, why this is a good one, why does stereotyping raise eyebrows among liberals, except, except in the case where a trans wants to use their own preferred bathroom? In that case, oh, it's okay, you fit the stereotype now. I don't understand. Episode seven, why do we have driver's licenses? Why do we have carry permits or a minimum drinking age for that matter? Why is the state involved? Why not turn it around the other way? And if you're an idiot behind the wheel or an idiot with your alcohol or an idiot with your firearm, why don't we say instead of your sentence, why not give you a can't drive license or a can't carry permit or a can't drink license and leave us good drivers, us responsible gun owners, leave us social drinkers, leave us good guys alone and only punish the offenders by giving them a can't license as part of their sentence. Why don't we do that? I don't know. No, no, no. We got to ask the state, may please, master, may please have a driver's license, a carry permit? May please drink? None of their business. From episode 28, why do we have zoning laws? Houston, fourth largest city in America, doesn't have any. And civilization didn't collapse there. Why don't we follow their lead here in Pennsylvania? Why don't we use, like, deed restrictions? Something like that. Why? I don't know. From episode six, I still have a bunch of them. I'm not going to get through them all. Why do we tolerate such crappy money when the value of our Federal Reserve notes, our dollars, have lost 95% of their value since they were created 100 years ago? Why doesn't Pennsylvania mint their own coins instead? Let the, federal, the federal Constitution allows us to mint silver and gold. Why not just declare financial freedom and mint our own? I don't know. And there's a question from literally every episode I'm going to close with that I never get tired of asking. Why isn't everybody a Toastmaster? Why shouldn't everyone have decent communication skills, decent leadership skills, and help others to acquire those skills? I don't know. You ought to visit Toastmasters.org to find a club near you. And on that inquisitive note, I'm just gonna wrap it up for episode 44 of the Pennsylvania Project. What do you think of our unanswered questions? What do they have of chiropractics, cops shooting black students, or anything somewhat Pennsylvania related? If you have something to say, we would love to hear from you. You can contact us at PennsylvaniaProject.com, right after you sign our petition, that is. And you can hear us there, too, as well as iTunes and other popular podcast providers. Today's episode is courtesy of Amendment 16 Limited, recorded live at the studios of WWDB Radio, broadcasting in Philadelphia at 860 on your AM dial every Saturday at 10 a.m., and now broadcasting in Kutztown on KUR Radio at 1670 on the AM dial every Monday morning at 7 a.m. But who's up at that hour? And releases a podcast for you late risers like me every Tuesday at PennsylvaniaProject.com. Our webmaster is Stephen Worley. Our marketing guru is Connor Dragotis. Our featured Toastmaster narrator today is Lynn Dow. Thank you, Lynn. Featured Toastmaster cohort again, distinguished Toastmaster Karen Flam and the lady responsible for the cohort role. Keyboard Wizard, he should be playing in the background, Brett. Our radio producer, Brett Kronberger, who didn't cue Joe Pegg's music soon enough. Thank you, Joe. <laughs> Our executive producer, Mark Bazzacco, and me, your caster, Ken Kralchuk. I don't know. We can't find good people these days. Yeah, he's talking about (laughs) other things. He's gone to our Toastmasters meeting tonight. Anyway, thanks for joining us. And remember, more important than solving the problem correctly is to solve the correct problem.